Hello, and welcome to episode two of New PTs on the Block, where we bridge the gap from student to clinician. I am your co-host, Dr. Gino Tobar, and today's topic will be about, does the diagnosis matter? I can't wait to hop into this one, as this is something I've went back and forth on for most of my career as a PT, my very long, arduous career of one year. Um, <laughs> remind me later, guys, to look up the word arduous, because I don't know what it means. Let's, let's just take a group vote right now, yes or no. We're not going to get into the semantics of it. Does the diagnosis matter? Tommaso. No. Alex. Nope. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say yes. Tommaso, I'm going to let you kick it off. Why doesn't the diagnosis matter? So let me backtrack here. So I think in certain situations, the diagnosis does matter, right? So for tendinopathy, an ACL tear, a rotator cuff tear, even some type of symptomatic disc herniation that has the ridiculous symptoms, has a positive neuroscreen, that in that situation, the diagnosis that was given does matter because you would treat those patients your, your plan of care would be different and it would be specific to what you are seeing and more so towards that diagnosis. So early on, the diagnosis does matter. For the individual who is coming in for pure pain, low back pain, knee pain, I believe that you explaining the diagnosis to the patient after your exam does not matter. If that patient's come in direct access, or after visiting a physician, they may come in looking for that diagnosis, but you explaining to, to them what you think is going on, what you think their diagnosis is, does not matter. You should have one in mind. You should, you should have a differential list in your mind, but I don't believe that explaining to them matters. And here's why, because I've run into certain situations multiple times where a patient comes in and they say, my knee hurts, I was told I have arthritis. So after your exam, if you say, hey, you have arthritis in your knee, they may start to think, man, I know people who have arthritis and, and, and they can't squat. And you know what, it hurts when I squat. It hurts when I, when I pick up something heavy. It hurts when I bend my knee. It hurts when I put weight on it. it oh my gosh, my arthritis, I can't do anything. Right, so what does that seem like? That those are catastrophizing thoughts they become fear avoidant so i think if you can just avoid telling them a specific diagnosis so it doesn't become their identity it's much more to gain and just focus on your education like hey you have some weakness in your quadriceps your glutes are not as strong as they need to be so we're just gonna get you stronger, get you moving in proper movement patterns. So then at that point, you're kind of minimizing what's going on, but also telling them on things that they're gonna work on and they just think, okay, yeah, I just gotta get stronger. And, and, and you set them up for success. So that's why I think explaining to them more of their deficits is more important than telling them, hey, you have X, Y, and Z, you have osteoarthritis in your knee. Etc. And that's the end of the second podcast here. <laughs> no, uh, very well stated, Tommaso. I, I really do pretty much agree with everything 
that you said. We could get into the semantics of it, but I think for the sake of this podcast, we are excluding like all red flags, conditions, and some of the more serious pathological uh, conditions that we do see. So we'll stick to some of the more common uh, quote-unquote diagnosis, likely, right, guys, like knee pain and all the related diagnosis, shoulder pain, uh, is that impingement, and we could go on a whole podcast on whether impingement even exists or not. But I do think as a medical field as a whole, physical therapists, chiropractors, MDs, all the above, I think we are all trained to pick out the impairments, the flaws, whether that be physical, uh, psychosocial, like Tommaso was saying, and we have very reductionist approach to explaining these impairments or these flaws or these quote-unquote abnormalities in patients, and then we give them a term or a label or a diagnosis for that specific set of criteria. And then Tommaso explained all of the, the following things that can happen in the patient's mind or physically that go along with that. Even taking it a step further than what Tommaso was saying, as he quoted out that we should find some t- soft tissue restrictions or even joint hypomobility and things like that, I will raise the question on whether we should even explain that to patients or how we should go along phrasing that because a lot of the research shows that with quote-unquote abnormalities such as shoulder impingement, such as OA, such as meniscus tears, we could go down the lines, that there are just as many people that have that same condition without pain and how should this be phrased to people that have those related diagnoses so i think before we even go any further we have to establish like why is this even a conversation right in school that's all we learn about is diagnoses and how to correctly identify them and diagnose them when we encounter a patient so this is a common pitfall or at least something i fell into coming out is during that initial eval, you, you want to establish what is wrong with this patient. I used to have the mindset of getting to the root of what is causing this patient's pain. Unfortunately, though, kind of as Alex alluded to, we know that these biological diagnoses that we've learned in our three years in DPT school can play a very little role in, in the patient's experience. The problem, though, is these patients come in and they want to know what is wrong with me. What is my diagnosis? So, so the question I'm going to pose to you guys is how, how do you handle that situation when, let's just say, you have a patient with knee pain and you kind of try to avoid the whole diagnosis path and they say to, they say to you, but, but what is causing it? Why, why am I experiencing them? And how do you handle that? And is there ever a time where you will say the diagnosis? So when I explain it to the patients I'm working with, I try to point out to them all the positives that, that we're seeing. So if we're seeing them for knee pain, for example, and we go through the evaluation and they may, may be having complaints uh, of squatting into the chair or whatever, uh, walking down the stairs, some other complaints along those same lines, I will explain to them how we have ruled out a lot of the scary red flag conditions first to help calm their nerves. And I will try to phrase things in a way that empowers them to say, hey, you may not be able to squat all the way down 
to the chair right now, but you could squat to a bar stool right now or something a little bit higher and show them what they can do and show them how we can progress to their goals and try to rephrase it from any specific terminology along the lines of a diagnosis and more along functional improvements or goals that they want to work towards and show them that modifications that they can make in their day-to-day lives to help with the pain. Uh, But I try to stay away from any quote-unquote diagnosis. And most of the time, patients are pretty accepting of that and they do not seek further clarification or or a certain name. I think education is the most important thing we can do for our patients, but sometimes keeping it simple is the most important thing, right? I think it's more important than the education itself because you may want to go in there and start talking about physiology and the mechanics of a joint and, you know, what what that diagnosis specifically is. Like, again, I keep going to NEOA, but that degeneration of the articular surfaces, they, they're not going to listen. They're not going to pay attention to that. If you tell them they have a certain diagnosis, they're going to hyper-focus on that. And the first seven to 10 seconds of your education is what really sticks. And they're not really going to pay attention to anything else other than, oh my gosh, I have NEOA. I try to keep it simple and I go by keep it simple stupid. So that's what my education is. I'm heavily focused on that and I don't throw big words or I don't really go into the heavy physiology of it. I had one patient who came in who visited our physicians and um, he was told he had some spondylosis, some disc bulges in his back. You know, he had an MRI, had an x-ray. And after my exam, I noted that he had some stiffness in his hips. And most of his pain was after some rotational movements, specifically when he would golf. It was always the day after golfing. Not during or right after golfing, but it was the following day. Never had any ridiculous symptoms. I cleared red flags. And I, and I explained to him, you need hip motion, hip range of motion, mobility, so you can take off the stress on your low back. And I think that's why you have some back pain after you're golfing. And that's all I really said. I said, your hips are stiff. So I focused my treatment on that. I did a bunch of range of motion, mobilizations. I'm really working on his hip mobility and kind of clearing up his movement patterns and how he was swinging the golf club. And he did phenomenal. He returned to golfing. He actually won a tournament. And the thing is, he never he emailed me. He said, I don't have any pain anymore after I golf. And I never explained to him once that I think this is coming from, yeah, look at this image. Oh, yeah, you got a disc bulge. Oh, arthritis in your back? Of course, yeah, it's causing you pain. No, I just said, hey, you got some stiff hips. We're going to loosen them up. We're going to clean up your pattern. You're going to go out there, and you're going to crush it. And he went out there. He won a tournament. I kept it simple for him. He understood that. I think he appreciated the education that I gave him. And he did much better for that. Yeah, I think everything you guys are saying is spot on. Initially, I I was of the mindset of, of I wanted to explain everything to the patient right? Everything I learned in PT school, I wanted to just spew that to them so they could get a better understanding of what was exactly going on. I always had a negative mindset of therapists who thought that the patient wasn't able to understand the information they were about to give them. So I would often try to explain things to them in a way that they could grasp and understand what was going on with their body. The problem, though, is that for some patients, this becomes their identity, right? If it's 
lumbar degenerative disc disease in their head that is the main thing that is causing their pain and they will not be fixed until their degenerative disc disease is cured and most patients know that that is not a reversible process so right off the bat by telling them that you are setting up a barrier to your rehabilitation process so i I love everything that tomaso and alex said of just focusing on the impairments and the fixable things because if that remains the focus and you can improve those things, that's going to set you up for a better patient prognosis and rehabilitation. Very well stated. Now, I will ask you guys this question, kind of along those same lines because I think this has all happened to us probably every week. We have an evaluation and we have a patient who was referred to us by such and such physician and they were told by the physician that they have shoulder impingement syndrome or that they have triple D (laughs) degenerative disc disease and these patients already have found their identity in these diagnosis at that point how to how do you explain the diagnosis to the patient or how do you explain what's going on with them? So for me, I like to bring up that study about disc herniations and I'm not going to repeat it, but as we know, there's been evidence suggesting that with disc herniations, you can have 50 people with low back pain, 50 people without low back pain, and the incidence of disc herniation may be the same. So when I explain that to a patient, I'm pointing out that just because that there is a tissue abnormality, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the main thing contributing to your experience of pain. Once they recognize that, hopefully they buy in that whatever they're feeling could be overcome. And I don't always get into the whole psychosocial discussion right there because I think not everyone needs that discussion. But going back to then focusing on the impairments and the things we can improve once I shine the light on those things, they seem to be more open to shying away from that diagnosis that was provided to them by the doctor or on the MRI. Yeah, I agree with you, Gino, there, because I've had a lot of growing pains with this topic because I, as I do feel a lot of patients, people I'm working with are open and receptive of the information we give them. There are still a good number that are deeply rooted in their beliefs and they have so many prior experiences. They've been to a number of medical providers that have told them maybe the same thing, maybe different diagnosis and so it's hard to explain to someone and change their beliefs all on the first day so each person is going to be different obviously but I have found that it it takes some time and it takes some building rapport and and building a relationship with some with the people and slowly starting to educate them on these certain topics instead of just all at once on the on the first day but definitely what Gino stated. I think it depends on what the situation is because the situation that I'm in, it is slightly different than yours, Gino and Alex's. I do work in a physician-owned practice that allows the therapist to really have the freedom to do what they think is best for the patient. So it's not a very strict physician-owned practice. But in that, in my situation, a lot of our patients are coming up from upstairs. These physicians are sending us these patients where they've already told them, hey, this is what's going on. You have this diagnosis. I'm going to label you as having shoulder impingement. 
Okay, so then they come down, we do our exam, and this is when you're educating them and, and you're at that point where you have to tell them kind of what you think is going on. My situation, you have to play a fine line of, do you, because it's physician-owned practice, do you want to get the physicians angry at you or get the patients thinking, man, that physician doesn't know anything? No, obviously you don't want to do that. You're working as a team, right? So after you, again, clear all your red flags, I go into it, I minimize it and say, hey, this is, this is what your, your shoulder's doing, right? This is what we need to work on. You got to get stronger. Emphasis on getting them stronger on certain muscles because strength is most likely what patients need is just to get stronger. We're going to clean up your movement patterns and we're going to loosen some things up. And I never really explained that diagnosis because of my situation and what the clinic environment is, right? So I don't want anyone to be afraid of going against what a physician says or what they've already been told the diagnosis is because there have been many a times where i had someone come into me and they they've already been told by some doctor that hey yeah you know you have this diagnosis but it's completely wrong and i and i do educate them that like, yeah is that a possibility yeah but i don't think that's what's going on i think that x y and z is what you need to work on and that is what's causing your limitations and sometimes your pain so by all means, do not be afraid of going against physicians and what they've already diagnosed a patient with, but make sure you're really educating them and getting them to understand what you think is going on and what they need to work on. Yeah, I've been faced with many times where a patient is sent to me with a diagnosis from the doctor that is just complete garbage. And, <laughs> and I have to explain my way out of what the doctor said and, and give them some real evidence as to what I think is going on. And sometimes it is a difficult conversation because you're trying to gain their trust over a physician. But I think if you have the right way to educate them about the stuff you're finding and how that may be contributing to their experience, they will be likely to buy in. I, I think it comes back to just being confident in yourself and your schooling and knowing you are smart, you do have the knowledge to make these diagnoses over physicians regardless of what they're saying. And you should, you should trust in that during these conversations with patients. Yeah, I think when I see someone, whether it's an eval or just treatment, I think sometimes I am a little bit probably too much of like a cheerleader who like, let's go positive. You know, and it's probably annoying to some people, honestly, but I really only try to show the positives. I rarely ever talk about what they can't do or what's limited with them because hell if I know, like, if their actual limited range of motion is actually what's causing pain or if what they do during their day is actually causing pain, I don't really know. <laughs> so I just honestly try to say, hey, this is what you can do, but you know, there's some things that maybe we can modify. Like maybe if you walk a little bit more, maybe if we, we implement like these exercises to build your tissue tolerance, like Tommaso says, and gradually load them, get them stronger, exercising, just moving and being overall healthier as individuals is kind of the way I go about it because then ultimately I think one way we can talk about if diagnosis even matters because I'm literally going to be doing the same treatment with them uh, with every person. Like, I'm always going to be squatting someone that has knee pain. I'm always going to try to be, you know, doing some type of deadlift, squat, lunge, step up, 
all the treatments are going to be relatively the same and you're just going to try to shape it toward their goals and just have a little bit of tailoring to what they like to do. So if they have, if they're a basketball player, you, you phrase it that way. If they're a dancer, you're deadlifting maybe in like a grand plie style. You try to phrase it to what they want to do and try to help them feel like their intervention or the exercise is salient to them. But ultimately that's why I don't really think the diagnosis matters. So I love that point you bring up, Alex. You know, it happens to me very frequently when I've had a patient who comes in and progresses, they're getting there, but they, they just want to know, right? They're just like, I want to get that MRI. You know, I really want to see what's going in there. And I, I tell them whatever that MRI is going to find is not going to change my plan of care because the ultimate goal in all of physical therapy is to improve function, right? So if if patient says it's hard for me to go up and down stairs, well, guess what? We're going to work on going up and down stairs. We're going to increase tissue tolerance. We're going to gradually expose you to getting up a six inch or a seven inch step. So we're going to start at a two inch step. We're going to move up to a four inch when you're ready and then go up to a six inch. And you know what? We're going to go up to an eight inch at some point. So I typically tell them the MRI is not going to tell me anything that's going to make me treat you differently. There was a study, and I'm really bad at remembering dates and the authors, and you will get to know that about me, but there was a study about one patient who had an MRI, and that MRI was sent to 11 different radiologists. And the craziest thing about this study was that 41 different findings were were on this report on this impression. And the crazy thing is, none of them matched. So what does that tell you? MRIs are really good at finding what's wrong, at finding abnormalities, but is it gonna tell you what's the cause of pain? No, and again, we have to clear red flags, but whatever the MRI is gonna show, I'm not gonna change my treatment pattern, my treatment plan of care, because it's all about increasing function. It's all about getting them stronger and it's all about increasing tissue tolerance and gradually expose them to meet their goals. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tommaso. And uh, another thing I'll add to that, when the patients bring up the whole MRI conversation, uh, I, I pose the question, is surgery a realistic option for you? Because I feel like that's the only time, aside from red flag pathology, where I will say, yeah, maybe the MRI could be useful. However, if surgery is not an option for them, what, what are you going to change with this MRI regardless of what it says? And most of the time their answer is, well, really, they don't have an answer for me. And I, <laughs> if surgery is not an option, they, they don't know what they're going to do. And I just I tell them that an MRI has a lot of scary words that sometimes will affect your mindset of this rehabilitation program and their success with it. And when I phrase it that way, and as Tommaso said, when I tell him our treatment here is not going to change whether it's a meniscus tear or just some arthritis, I've actually talked a few patients out of it, and I think they're better off for it. As long as there's nothing else about that, I do want to kind of switch things up a little bit and talk about why I think the diagnosis does matter. We all hear it. Diagnosis doesn't matter. We're going to treat it the same way. But I still think that there's a component of education that changes depending on the diagnosis, right? A meniscus tear has a possibly longer rehabilitation than some general patellofemoral joint pain. Or a 
shoulder impingement, if that does exist, is going to have a different prognosis for me than frozen shoulder. As we know from some of the research, therapy really isn't going to help the frozen shoulder process. We may alleviate some symptoms, but ultimately it's going to take its course at the end of the day, and we can't do much about that. So if we're going back to that diagnosis doesn't matter, if I'm thinking it's an impingement, and I'm like, oh yeah, six weeks you'll be feeling better when it's really a frozen shoulder, and I just didn't recognize that, well then I'm going to be making myself look like an ass in six weeks when the patient really has another nine months, and I'm just telling them that it'll go away after we do some strengthening. So to throw it away completely and say that it never matters, it's a bit of a stretch for me, because like I said, I do think there are some education points where if we can recognize that diagnosis, it will be better off for the patient. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, overall, I agree with you from differentiating those two diagnosis or not even those two in particular, but having some idea in your head at least of what's going on diagnostically. But I think it still gets nuanced and difficult because as you gave up to the the point of patellofemoral knee pain versus meniscus pain, like there's a lot of people that have chronic patellofemoral pain that they've had for years and years and years where meniscus, maybe it's just an acute tear maybe they've had it there for a while who knows that that was flared up due to uh, overloading it or something so so I think from a timeline standpoint I think that could be a whole nother discussion on whether or not you tell them a definitive timeline (laughs) Uh, but yes you're right Gino it does matter in those situations then again if you're phrasing the goal of physical therapy or working with the physical therapist around pain only it's going to be difficult to accomplish that goal 100% no matter what the diagnosis is i think if we're talking to our patients that pain or alleviating pain is not necessarily the end goal and that just continuing to focus on their function and their specific goals first and as they start to achieve those the the pain will will start to subside if it's phrased like that then maybe the diagnosis starts to matter a little bit less but i i do think your point there it does matter gino so we're we're saying like orthopedically (laughs) diagnosis doesn't matter right Okay, <laughs> because I know what I'm what I'm trying to get at is I agree with you, right? So, from something you brought up, Alex, about it's kind of du- difficult for us to alleviate pain all the completely. You just want to get a more functional movement. At some point, therapists need to kind of move on and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to give you the tools to kind of treat this on your own. We're going to get you back to what you want to do, make it easier, make you more functional. But we might not take away your pain. We're going to give you the tools on how to manage it yourself." We're going to get you stronger, and then you're going to, over time, get better because the natural progression for everything and all these injuries typically is to get better. Like, that's what that's what the human body is. Like, we heal. We regenerate. So I like that point about we're going to get you better. We might not take away all the pain because it's difficult, but we're going to give you the tools to do it at the end. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. To, to kind of touch on a few things that Alex and Tommaso said, the, the whole timeline bit, that is something I I will rarely bring up, even if the patient asks. I get that a lot. Just give me a ballpark. When am I going to be better? Like, Linda, I don't know when you're going to get better. (laughs) Everyone's different. But if we're going back to that frozen shoulder bit, 
I, you know, I at least like to tell them, hey, this may take a little bit longer. We know that the general course of this pathology can last a couple of months. Not necessarily that it will last that long for you, but it is a possibility. That way, they're at least mentally prepared for that. But Tommaso, I love what you said about therapy being about us giving the tools for them to get better. And who knows, maybe that's another conversation uh, or another podcast, but that is a conversation I will regularly have with the patient of therapy is us providing you with what you need to rehab yourself. We're not the ones fixing you, but hopefully what you guys are at least picking up from what everyone is saying is that these are difficult conversations to have. And I think uh, it'll be safe saying we've all crashed and burned on some of these conversations and we've all stumbled over our words having these conversations. So it's okay if you have this conversation and you're, it's just trash. Just try it again and eventually it gets better. Practice it at home to your mom, to your dog, to your fish, anything. It, practice will make perfect. All right, guys, so I think that kind of wraps everything up. Do you guys have anything else to say? No, I don't. Do you, Tommaso? No, I don't, actually. <laughs> So that wraps up the second episode of New PTs on the Block. We hope you guys learned a little bit from us. Please join us next week for our new episode on blank. Goodbye. Yes. Uh, I can't wait to edit this shit. Oh, dude.